Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Monday, December the 27th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace and God's life and and most definitely God's joy as we have now entered into this Christmas season. Uh, I hope this weekend, I hope particularly on Saturday, uh, you were able to celebrate the Incarnation well. Uh, not only receiving that gift from God uh, into your own being, uh, into your own life, into your own existence, you know, and, and your own uh, world, but with those that you love uh, and, uh, and those around you. So, brothers and sisters, we, uh, I suspect what we're going to read, because now we celebrated yesterday Feast of the Holy Family, Uh, And so now today, from Monday through Friday, I suspect we're going to get a lot of in-between things of what was happening within those infancy narratives as we look to celebrate the Feast of Epiphany next weekend. However, that being said, today we celebrate a feast day. We celebrate the Feast of John the Apostle slash John the Evangelist. And uh, while those may be two different people, we celebrate them as one today. And uh, because of that, uh, this little one who was only two days old, well, how quickly they grow. Because uh, today we are going to move toward the end of John's Gospel, John 20, and read about the resurrection experience that John was involved in, okay? So if you want to follow along at home, we're going to read John chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. Let's break open God's Word. We're reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, as always, gospels can be read on many, many levels. Uh, On one level, on the surface level, this is simply an understanding of, hey, How did uh, that Easter Sunday morning look? Well, it looked like Mary Magdalene going out there, discovering that the body isn't there, coming back, concerned that they've taken the Lord, and um, doesn't know where where they, they placed him, and two disciples running out and moving toward an understanding of what this meant. Okay, that's that's legitimate, and one simply ran faster than the other. Peter was a little less in shape. And, uh, and John, whom we always depict as a younger one, well, makes sense, youth, you know, they've got the energy. And 
John's a faster runner, historically speaking. Those who were named John run faster than Peter. It's science, brothers and sisters. You can look it up. <laughs> Don't look it up. I have no idea. I mean, again, on a surface level, that's what we're talking about. But on a deeper level, what are we, what are we saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two points here. And the first is this. And again, I, this is not me who, who uh, comes up with this. I'm going to credit Richard Rohr with this. Um, but that idea, remember, who's coming here? Uh, it's Peter. And so Peter always represents the church, represents authority. Peter is that. And, and, and make no mistake about that. The disciples, or excuse me, the gospels make that clear, uh, that Peter is given those keys, right, by Jesus, given that authority. Uh, and and uh, on this rock, I will build my church. That's Matthew. But uh, Peter is always listed first when you list the 12 disciples as, as the first among those equals. Um, Peter is representing that here, first and now. You know, Jesus, I think it's in John's gospel, just a little bit earlier, would have said, you know, Peter, Satan is, is looking to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. And after you've come through this, you know, strengthen those others. Okay? So Peter represents the church and represents authority, but not so the other disciple. Now, I named him John earlier, and that's the, the, the easy thing to fall into. But, and, and it's used on this feast day for that reason. But, my friends, John never names himself in his gospel. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why? So you and I can find ourselves in there. Why does that make a difference? Because love reaches uh, the empty tomb. Love reaches uh, that understanding of who God is and where God is and what God's up to quicker than often the church. Now, I don't mean that as a, as a criticism against the church. I mean it as that simply when you and I are in prayer, when you and I are in one of those mystical experiences, when you are and I in, in relationship and in communion with God, that understanding of God can often come quicker than what official pronouncements do. That's simply the way that life is. That's the way of uh, larger organizations. That's the way of, uh, you know, the church has to look at everybody and make sure we're all walking together before pronouncements are made. But brothers and sisters, our God, through the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, communes with us directly, as well. It's not, it's not an either or. It's a both and. We cannot say, Peter, we don't need you. We're going to leave you behind because then we become an authority all unto ourselves. And that's not what this is about. We are both and because we are within the larger community. But God does not only speak through Peter or those authorities within the church. He speaks directly to us. And that's this experience we're talking about as well, that it is both and both run to the tomb. Peter enters in first. Even though the, the disciple whom Jesus loved gets there first, and that understanding is happening. But Peter, as the authority, enters in first. But then when the disciple, the other disciple also goes in, the one who arrived at the tomb first, he comes to that belief earlier. He sees and believes. He doesn't know necessarily what he believes yet. And had we continued reading, 
we would see that that this story doesn't play out like, oh man, they got it right away because they didn't. But yet that belief was not necessarily at a head level yet, even with the disciple whom Jesus loved. But it was at a level of something good is happening here. This isn't what Mary feared. This isn't the body has been taken and we don't know where they've, they've placed him and, and bad things are afoot. This is God is up to something new. And I don't know that I understand it yet. And I don't know what it looks like yet. But this is good. And I'm, and I'm, with, I'm with God in this. And he went home, the disciple whom Jesus loved, went home different than he did before. Remember, remember, right? This is John's gospel. The disciple whom Jesus loved at the Last Supper, when uh, different things happened, you know, five verse, five chapters, chapter 13 to 18 uh, in John's gospel of, of, or excuse me, 13 through 17 of, of what's happening. One of the things that happens is G, the, Jesus is sitting at table and uh, when he names that somebody is going to uh, betray, Peter says to the one who is heads resting on the chest of, of Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved, could hear the heartbeat of Jesus. The heartbeat and, and the, this, this disciple whom Jesus loved, they were one and the same. The disciple whom Jesus loved knew the heartbeat of our God. That's the closeness of their relationship. And Peter leans over and says, hey, ask who it is. Why? Because love is going to find that out sooner. And so I, at my first point there being, hey, my friends, let's make sure we nurture that relationship. We need to nurture the, the relationship with the larger church. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, Peter ran, or excuse me, the disciple whom Jesus loved ran with, with Peter out of respect, allowed Peter in first. They, they worked through it together. But brothers and sisters, what can you and I do today to nurture that individual, that one-on-one relationship with our God? What can we do to lay our head against the chest of our God, to listen to that heartbeat within and among us? Point number one. Point number two, John's gospel is often called the, uh, well, it's often, uh, scripture scholars say, the, the last gospel. You know, it's the one that is um, the most Christologically centered, the, the, the most theologically uh, deep. Uh, and that makes perfect sense, right? Because if we believe what scholars are telling us, that Mark's gospel was written probably between 65 and 70, you know, before the fall of the temple, that Matthew and Luke probably are around 80, so maybe let's say 15-ish, 10 to 15-ish years after Mark's gospel, and both of them used Mark. And John's is most likely between 90 and 100 AD. So let's say 30 years after Mark's gospel was written that this gospel uh, credited to John which may be, I said earlier, that we may be celebrating two different people, John the Apostle and John the Evangelist. They may be the same, but maybe not. There's, there's reason to believe that they aren't, but that's okay. Um, that, that this person's work or this community's work uh, was written 30 years later because 
Over that 30 years, the church was developing an understanding of its meaning of of who Jesus was and what this meant, not only within their lives as individuals, but the life of the world, the life of the, the Jewish community, the life of Israel, the life of the church, what that meant. And the church had to come to an understanding more fully of what that was inviting them to. And over those 30 years, you can see the conversations that took place because you can see it in the depth of John's gospel in different ways than in Mark's gospel that took place earlier. And that, brothers and sisters, is not something to shy away from or be afraid of or, or to discount because isn't that how life happens? That we, we don't begin at the ending. That doesn't make any sense. We have to grow into that understanding and depth and come to, to a more full understanding. I hope that my and your understanding of God and the birth of Jesus Christ is larger and deeper today than it was a year ago, than it was five years ago, certainly than it was 10 or 20 years ago. Because we come to an understanding. We come I mean, Martha and Mary, and, and when they go out to Jesus in that wonderful story of the raising of Lazarus, Lazarus, when, when Jesus and Martha are talking, and, and, and Jesus says, do you believe that, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life? And Martha says, yes, I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the one who is to come into the world. That this understanding, this growth, this growth of God inside of us, the Spirit, this growth of understanding of what Jesus means in your life individually, in my life, of what that invites us to in the life of the world that grows within us. Just as this gospel theologically grew and the understanding of church theologically grew within those 30 years and continued over the next 19 centuries to you and I when we got it now. You know, I was reading something this morning on Gandhi, the Mahatma, the great soul was what that means. I have a great love, great, great love for Gandhi. I think one of the the greatest people, capital G, capital P, uh, of this, well, I'll say this century. I I was going to say millennium. I don't know. Maybe that's true too, but most certainly of the last 100 years, I'll say. Um, But this one today was an NPR article talking about, but lately some things have come up about the Mahatma, about Mohandas Gandhi, that are, are unsettling, that early in his career, his biographer said, listen, there's no way around it, that early in his life, Mahatma was, had racist tendencies when he was in South Africa as a lawyer. Uh, um, in, in his writings about how the black people lived there and how he saw them. But that he grew, he, he grew to a deeper understanding later in his life that those were poor that those understandings that he had early in his life were incorrect. And he understood the, the, um, in a deeper level the beauty and goodness of those, the, the black people that, that he knew. Um, and and uh, the underst- the, 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 he embraced that idea of diversity and plurality. That, that this person that we call the Mahatma, the great soul didn't come out of the womb with this great soul and, and understanding. It had to be nurtured, and it grew over time. And we can allow that person to do that. That they aren't who they were then, but, but that they have, 
they have the ability to grow beyond that into what this great soul looked like. And, uh, and on another level, Dorothy Day, whose canonization process is being um, you know, brought forward now in the church and is being worked upon. And Dorothy Day herself said, listen, don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed that easily. That idea that if we put somebody as a saint, you know, we, we can put them on a pedestal and that they were always that way. But if we understand the life of Dorothy Day, we understand that's not the case at all. That Dorothy Day had plenty of um, uh, sharp edges about her that she had to actively work on to, to tone down and that she made decisions that were hurtful. And that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't take in one sense any of her good work that she did and dismiss it. But, it, but what it says is, brothers and sisters, we have to allow for growth. And my point, second point here is, we saw the growth of the gospel of John within these 30 years from the gospel of Mark and its theological depth. And brothers and sisters, you and I, we, we see, and I use these examples of Gandhi and Dorothy Day, two incredible people, two, uh, you know, of the most incredible people of the last 100 years. And we saw their growth. Brothers and sisters, if today you are not where you want to be, take a deep breath and exhale. It's okay. We may have sharp edges that we are not proud of. So did two of the greatest people of the last 100 years. But they acknowledged that. And acknowledged that, presented that to our God to allow them, those people, with God's assistance, to tone those down and to reshape them, and to rethink how they encountered themselves and, and therefore how their, their lives would encounter those others in the world. Brothers and sisters, we continue to grow and develop over time as well. We are not the same people we were 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Praise be to God. And let's hope that tomorrow or next year or next 10 years, should God allow us to be still alive on this earth, that we continue um, to become somebody new, that we have not arrived yet. We, we continue to be a pilgrim people. Uh, and I think John invites us to that understanding. And I think the only way, the only way to do that is go back to point number one, right? Go back to point number one, that love, that relationship, that listening to the heartbeat, that's what's going to change us. That's what's going to help soften those edges and uh, make us those new people that's going to run to the tomb and see this new life, the new possibilities sooner and allow us to enter in and believe. Let's pray. And so, my friends, we continue through uh, our, our, well, we don't continue. We start the Luminous Mysteries this week. And, uh, and so whatever's going on in your life, let's bring it to our God right now as we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The first luminous mystery, the baptism of Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. John, pray for us. My friends, have a blessed Monday, and uh, celebrate well this Christmas season. God's peace.